I'm a doctor, a father, an American, an Indian. I've had conversations about life from every angle, and as I've navigated the South Asian experience, I share stories of people and their purpose, and what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and on this episode of Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing, I'm joined by actor, producer, comedian, and creator of the short film Invisible Brown Man, Pritesh Shah. Stay tuned. So here's the thing. How do you help create and tell your story if the story's already been packaged and pre-polished and predetermined by somebody else? The art of narrating our human experience in 2021 must be more than a power broker to exercise of inserting essential must-have cardboard cutouts into a diorama or collage of diverse and inclusive people, places, and things. In, in some way, we take responsibility for showcasing and we welcome with open arms the opportunity to share who we are with dignity and pride. But in other ways though, how can we wrestle with tokenism and representation that can seem disingenuous and reach the border of even unintentionally, or worse, intentionally, under or misrepresenting our culture, history, and backdrop? Eventually, for the artist, it may just come down to a currency of authenticity. And with his latest short film, Invisible Brown Man, which is available to view on YouTube, actor, comedian, writer, and producer, Brite Shah, explores themes of tokenism, representation, and power exploitation. After finding himself at the precipice of a job in the accounting world, he found his stride and fit in comedy and acting. And he's been in the industry for about 10 years now with many noteworthy contributions in television and film. But it's this short film that combines elements of humor and vulnerability that highlights some of the realities of acting and the Hollywood universe hopefully a prelude to sharing more of the vulnerability for everyone in this space. I recently chatted with him and we talked about whether some of the tokenism is getting better and about economic bottom lines. You know, the weird thing is this, like, it is getting better, I would say, but it's hard because it's like better for who, right? So, you know, it's, it's all perspective. Um, I think the one thing that really people need to kind of take a step back when it comes to the industry in general is that I always say it's not show business, it's business show. Okay. Mm. This industry is about money and this, there was a, a false, there, not false, but there, there's an illusion that the publicness usually has that Hollywood's this super liberal, um, you know, progressive uh, unit or this, it's like this separate entity that like leads. And I, I would, I would very much disagree with that. You know, the, the actors and the artists tend to be pretty progressive and liberal, but Hollywood as an entity is not, it's very conservative, mm. right? It, it only does what the audience, what it thinks the audience wants. Right. So if America was full of just, you know, if it was all blatant racist people, Hollywood would gladly put out a bunch of racist films because they're going to make money. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you're playing to the audience, right? So a lot of times it's like, uh, you know, it's like that chicken and the egg thing, you know? Sure. So what you're seeing is also a representation of what people are demanding. It, it's a, it's, it's like that circle, right? I mean, is the, is the economic machinery behind that just really the, the main driver? And, and that is, that, that's been the problem because it's become a conglomerate. 
It's become yeah. a conglomerate. There used to be a lot of fine little studios. There used to be a lot of movies that used to get made. That used to get distribution, and, and a- people had access to it. That were like twenty million dollar films, twenty five million dollar films, uh, and those are like indie films now. I mean, yeah. those are the ones you're seeing in, in film festivals, or you know, you're not seeing big theatrical releases of those types of budgets anymore. The big theatrical releases are hundred fifty million dollar movies, two hundred million dollar Marvel movies. You know what I mean? So, I think what we've seen is a limitation a little bit on as far as films go now that being yeah. said tv's never been better and there's so much so many stories and yeah and, and so to answer your question there's still tokenization there's still a lot of opportunity to mm-hmm. um sometimes the tokenization is just ignorance sometimes it's just blatant ignorance at times sometimes within that ignorance is because look i'm a producer i know i need to put someone who's black in this thing to sell it so i'm gonna put someone who's black in it to sell it like i don't really care I, I just, what do I need to get done to get this made? And I know that's not something popular people like to hear. I mean, it's not something I'd like to hear. You know, one time I was up for a film and literally the producer said that since I'm not black, I wasn't really considered diverse. So mm-hmm. he would get funding. With that perspective of someone who's been in accounting and finance and in that business, with that business background, has that bled into your work and craft as an actor, being able to navigate through exactly what you just mentioned, understanding the the sort of consumerism and the the vantage point of the producers that are out there, I'd say it definitely allows me not to take things personally. Yeah. As well, you know, I mean, naturally, I'm human, so you are at times going to, but allows you to take a step back a little bit, be a little bit more objective of what's going on. Like it is a game, it is a business. I signed up for this. No one made me do this, right? Like that. The point of the film was really to shed light on the truth, but not be a victim. Get a grip. Like there's issues, but you still are pursuing your dream. Like there's definitely things that we need to overcome and things that we need to call out. But at the same time, don't act like you have the worst cards handed to you in life, right? You're pursuing something you love to do. Most of the world can't even do that. A dream is simply a dream. So the fact that even the pursuit of a dream is a massive luxury. How did you first experience the sort of thrill of performance? And, you know, this idea of catching, you know, the acting bug or or being up on a stage and and how that motivated you, especially for something that is so unprivate, if you will. I've always, so I was always the comedic relief. You know, when your kids, Indian parents, you know, beta, do something funny, do something. So I was always, I was always mimicking, making fun of people, uh, doing accents. Um, So I was always a funny guy in school and my friends group. That's just how I was when, as a kid, probably the way I found getting attention, you know, but you know, I, I, I've always enjoyed making people laugh. I've always enjoyed, uh, I've always been a, I'm wired that way too. Like, of course there's decisions, right? But I'm very wired for optimism. So it's very natural to me. I have my days, don't get me wrong. But in general, I'm just kind of wired to see the glass half full or not even see the glass half full. I'm not even trying to be in an illusion about it. It's just like, there's a situation, let's address it and keep it moving. That's how I've always looked at it. Like, even if it's a shitty situation, it's like, okay, I can address that this sucks but I don't have to be fake about it. Like, oh my God, let's know this sucks, but let's, what do I have to do to handle it and keep it moving? Right. That's just kind of how I'm always wired, you know, doing, doing, doing performance. I never thought that there was an opportunity for me to make it a career. It's just, it was my way of how I lived life. Comedy was a way it was comedic. Comedy was my relief first. It's like, and if I had anything that I had to deal with in life, that was personal. I just joked about it. You know, it's how I sort of a coping. Yeah, that was my coping mechanism. So 
it's it's what I did. And then I went to school for accounting and a minor in English. And when I graduated, um, I had a job lined up that didn't start for six months. But the funny thing is, I'll backtrack a little bit. So a year before I graduated, my mom's like, you have to come home. There's a guru from India. I'm like, man, I was, yeah. I was like, all right. So this guru was an astrologer too. And he goes, what do you do? And I'm like, uh, I'm doing accounting. And he goes, there's no way you'll ever use a degree for your career. Not mm-hmm. a chance. Yeah. And I was like, who the hell does this guy think he is? Like, I was pissed. Hey, you know, when the Guruji says it's not going to happen, that's... Uh... It happened. Yeah, it's like a... I graduated in December. My support, my job's going to start in June. My mom's like, my mom never understood why I did accounting because you know, the mom's intuition. She's like, I know right. you're good at it, but she's like, look at your personality. Like, yeah, yeah she's like, I can't imagine my son who's all this jokester and this, she's always like, you're so talented with all this stuff. How can you just sit and all that? It's not you. I was like, I don't know. So she found an ad in India West. The all, the all wonderful India. India West is just the panacea for all problems. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So she found a guy who was doing a commercial acting class in uh, Orange County, which is about an hour and a half. So once a week, I used to drive up, meet with this guy in like one of his hospitals in like the waiting area. He was, te- I mean, he's like as Indian as it gets, bro. Yeah. But he was awesome. He was really good. And he would teach me commercial acting. And a few months in, he's like, hey, you know, you're really good at this. I should have you audition for this agent. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right. Now, keep in mind, yeah, I was a little nervous, but... I was going to start my job in June. Like I didn't have that much weighing on it. Right. So I, I just did it. I did the damn thing. I read copy, I auditioned, they signed me on the spot. I was starting to do print work and, and modeling and a little bit of like non-union commercials. And it just felt right. You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. After a quick break, we'll come back to our conversation with Brite Shah. Stay tuned. and you're listening to me on Ruckus Avenue Radio. Welcome back to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation with Britesh Shah. With that, was there, did you start to feel like there was more of this as you started to get more and more work or as you were actually entering the industry? Did you start to put some walls around yourself to say, hey, I still got to protect my privacy. I still got to like, you know, I still got to be who I am, even though I'm this jokester and, you know, extroverted in that way. To be honest, I didn't really know who I was. Yeah. I, you know, I was learning. I was funny and I knew all that stuff. And here I am, like, coming into, like, a massive life decision, right? Right. Which I wasn't really raised to have the balls to make or even confront. You know, I'm doing all this stuff. And then I had to get my physical for the job I'm supposed to start. And this is where things, like, the whispers come, right? So right. I'm doing the, the the physical and he's like, you're not excited to start your job. I'm like, well, it's a job. He goes, you know, most people are pretty excited to start their first job. Like, are you sure this is something you want to do? Like what doctor says that? And there was two days before my job was supposed to start. I'm like having a panic attack. I'm crying. I'm freaking out. Cause something's just telling me like in my gut, like you can't start this job. Right. You can't start it. So I go talk to my mom and my sister downstairs and my mom's like, well, I support you. She's like, what's the point of us coming all the way to America, two hours from the entertainment capital of the world to tell you not to pursue this? So she yes, was yeah. always very supportive. My sister was too. 
And so that guru that had a year and a half or a year before told me, right? I was like, give me his number. Yeah. I'm freaking out. So I need all the validation I can get. <laughs> so I call him in freaking India. I'm having a panic attack. I'm like, look, man, this is what you told me a year ago. You told me that I'm not going to do this job. Well, I feel like this. I want to try experiment with acting is what I want to do. And he goes, exactly. That's what you're meant to do. And and I'm curious, like, did that make the the taste of that thrill once you did start landing gigs and you know, yeah. it much sweeter? Absolutely. I mean, the thing is like, I'll tell you this. I quit my job. And even when I called HR, no one picked up. I left a voicemail freaking out. An hour later, hour later, the lady calls me and she goes, you know what, honey? Because I left a voicemail saying I won't be coming into work because I figured out what I want to do with the rest of my life. <laughs> Done, right? Done. And I get a call back from the HR lady and she goes, you know what, honey? I wish I made that decision when I was your age. Go get it. Yeah. And so at that point, I had nothing. And six months later, I'd moved to LA and I, I grew up nice. So to me, it was all new, but that's when I knew it felt right because I didn't care. I was so happy. When you're, when you're aligned with what you want to do and what feels right, dude, it felt, I was sleeping on a mattress on the ground. I, I didn't care. But you still had joy. Absolutely, man. I woke up with a smile, went to bed with a smile. I was so happy because I was pursuing this. Like yeah. It was exciting to me. It felt right. It felt good. When I was in improv class, it felt good. When I was taking acting class, it felt amazing. It's That's where my whole spiritual journey started because the person I, had to, I ended up living with for four months only he started having me do meditations with him, like 27 minute meditations and brought me into this whole other world where it really started to clarify who I am, what I am or who I'm not really, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, and that, that's right. That's so just as important to determine and figure out who you're not as it is to have that discovery of, of who you are. And, and I imagine that that just built that much more confidence and, and sort of self-trust. Self-trust for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that was the beginning part of like shedding most of my identities, you mm. know, because I'm always constantly trying to shed. When people ask me who you are, I'm like, that's, I'm trying not to answer that question. Actually, that's yeah. actually why I want to do that. Who people having so many answers for that question is what is literally the foundation of most of the world's problems. Right. How so? Tell, tell me, I mean, like in that way, especially now as uh, uh, a producer or a creator and a filmmaker, um, how does that resonate you know, on sort of like in the creative space? I mean, it resonates with me. I can't say it resonates with everyone, you know, like yeah. if you're not down that process or done the work and you're really obsessed with your identity because society's fed it to you, that when I say that statement, it comes off as a very personal attack, right? To a lot of people. And I get that. Um, that's obviously not my intention. My thing is like, I connect with people because we're people, you know, if you're going to say like, when people say like, these are my people, or these are my people, what does that even mean? So like, okay, well, humans are my people. Like, I, I don't understand. Like you can, you can find your own mold or community or whatever tribe that you want to create and defend that's on you. But to me is like, I don't want to make that smaller. I'm going to make that greater. And my friends group rep represents it. Like my friends are just people I connect with. I'm not looking for people. Yeah. And so when I'm talking about diversity in my film, my problem with diversity is not so much diversity itself. It's the fraudulent way they go about diversity, where mm. it's like just because you put in a black guy, an Indian guy, or someone who's gay or trans, but it doesn't add or feed the story. Their characters are completely tokenized. You're just putting him in there to be like, hey, look at me. I'm a good person. Yeah. But you've never put any thought into it. It's not a real character. So you're actually doing a worse job. And so to me... I don't play that. Like if it ain't real, then, then stop it. Like my friends are real and they're all spectrums, all age groups, all sexualities. 
all races, ethnicities, and I wasn't trying for that. It's just when you try to connect with people naturally, your life becomes very colorful. Right. You just you're, you're not going. You're not going across the sort of friend wheel and trying to check off. Boxes. Oh, I'm not sitting there going, "Oh my God, I have to make guy friends that are right. Indian that love sports." Like, no, I just connect with people. That's it. Yeah. Let me let me ask you this. I, I ask this not because I know even what to do with it, or like you know that there's even a um, a worry. But is there, you know, with this concept and, and not everyone is going to have the outlook of, you know, just saying, hey, listen, my arms are getting wider and wider. I want to include as many people as possible. But this idea of, of representation, even within arts and media, you know, is there an is there a risk of overrepresenting? Is there an expanse um, that there are an expense to others when you do that? Like, you know, hey, you start in, you start discluding or or excluding, you know, folks yeah. who really should be there well that that's another thing is like the problem what i've seen is in representations a lot of these film festivals and things they'll be like okay well because this is a hot topic right now we only want diverse directors right. so what about the white guy who created an amazing story you're gonna leave him out that's not the point of this and that's not this individual's personal fault either right doesn't lie many solutions so that part of representation that you're saying i cannot get behind yeah. i'm not behind that at all to say and i i have proof of this because i have friends who who, who happen to be white, who have created amazing stories, who literally are not getting accept, accepted in things simply because of the color of their skin, which is mm. also quite stupid. You shouldn't even know who directed something. I think you should watch the film, and if it's good, it gets in. And then who directed it does not matter. Right. Uh, that's hopefully where we'd like to go. Now, is that going to happen overnight? Probably not, obviously. But that's what we, we would aim for. And when it comes to representation, it's just so funny to me because when you say that word, there's an assumption that representation is just ethnicity. Yeah. or just sexuality like the real idea of arts to me is representing individual artistic ideas that's right what and, it, and the diversity of those ideas the diversity of those ideas like this idea that i somehow represent indian men is bullshit because i'm friends with tons of indian men and my story could not be more different than theirs sure i have a buddy who grew up on food stamps and a single mother because his parents divorced and his father went to india that is the opposite of my story and we are both indian men so this ridiculous idea that just because i come from the same culture or look like someone that i can speak on their behalf is arrogant and very ignorant i wonder Stupid. if it's almost you know especially when it comes to in certain circles it might be even dangerous right because you know mm -hmm. your your concept of of saying that you're the sole representative um of a of an entire sort of is ridiculous right no, there's there's white people I can connect to more in stories than I can that someone looks like me. And there's nothing wrong with that. This yeah. whole idea that just because someone has a certain level of pigmentation that solely determines my life example and my life sample, I think that's BS. And I think that's undermining everyone's experiences. So I think what we're really trying to grasp at is a representation of ideas and feelings and, and our individual independent stories. There's so much beauty in that. And the thing is like, I don't need a story that talks about my story. I can empathize with yours because I can be in your POV. That's the point. Like when you watch my film, Invisible Brown Man, it's not that you have to be Indian, not at all. The title is I'm actually making fun of it because when I say brown, it's the fact that like, that's the lens my character has to go through seeing because he's playing the victim because of it. He too is full of shit. The very shit he's calling everyone else out on is the very thing he's doing. You're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. 
After another quick break, we'll come back and rejoin our conversation with Britesh Shah. Yo, this is Prabdeep from New Delhi, India, and you're listening to Drakasa Venue Radio. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and you're listening to Trust Me, I Know What I'm Doing. Let's rejoin our conversation with actor, comedian, producer, and writer, Pritesh Shah. You're, there's, a, there's a scene in, in Invisible Brown Man where your, your character is talking to the folks at the table, sort of sharing... The, the line, I think, is, you know, you don't want to feel guilty, but you actually, you just don't, don't actually give a shit, right? Yeah. In order to bring out this sort of diversity of ideas and cut through the bullshit, um, is the long-term solution to occupy those levers and positions of power? Yeah. Things? I would love to just have my own production company or something like that, where I can continue to create with great, amazing people. People. Mm-hmm. Not a production company just to help Indian people or brown people or men or Southern Californians or comedians. No, none of that. Not, not Southern Californians, whatever. That's, you yeah. Like, that's not what I'm trying to do. Because the thing is, when you keep telling people who you are, you're also telling them who you're not. I, I want to just support great art, great art. That's what I want to create and, that, and, and stuff that aligns that really pushes people forward spiritually and accountability wise. Is, is in at the end of the day, is, is that... Uh, ability to or inability for that matter to sort of be attentive to your own uh, misgivings or your own issues is that the ultimate brown man problem probably <laughs> i think i think the ultimate brown man problem for me personally just my own life speaking as behalf of pratesh not my character yeah. is that i had immense amount of privilege in life and i didn't really recognize it and as someone who's grown up in a south asian household in the south asian community as an actor who's developing and who's, you know, continuing to, to really enjoy your craft and continue to create in, in new and innovative ways, what does your, what do you hope your, your work continues to symbolize? You know, it, at, at the end of the day, as much as we don't want to put labels on anyone, as you described, it's hard to ignore your background too, right? Yeah. How do you, how do you continue to sort of develop and, and lead and almost like role model and provide us a, a symbol for, for others to follow. Yeah. I mean, there's no denying of where I came from and I'm very proud of my culture and I enjoy it very much. It's just that I don't like the narrative of using that to be, not be inclusive because everyone has culture and everyone should be equally proud of where they came from, who they are and their ancestry, right? It's a beautiful thing. And it's amazing that we have so many different cultures. We also have to be mindful that a lot of our cultures have a lot of bullshit that needs changing as well, because it's not for our well-being. All of our cultures are guilty of that, including our Indian culture. So, but yes, it's definitely influential in, in that way. And I love it. And I'd like to tell stories that are honest and truthful to it. Invisible Brown Man, for example, a seven-year-old white girl in Kansas should be able to watch that film and connect to my character. Because you know what? Every human being feels invisible. We have all these universal signals of of human life. Like all we are is a piece of life in this human experience, right? And so we are so similar. We spend so much time talking about our differences, yet 99.9% of us 
are the exact same. Like we have the same similarities. It comes love, pain, like human experience is tumultuous at times. And it feels like an uphill battle and sometimes you plateau and sometimes you're coasting and we all feel it in our own ways, regardless of where you are, where you're. And like, so for me, it's like to really create stories that yes, are personal to me that I can connect to, but the message is very universal and more universal, way more than just about race and sex and all that type of stuff, because all that kind of goes under one umbrella of separation, in my opinion. As that sort of complication, right? I mean, we want, we, if we want to have more ability to stop that divide, yeah, is the risk of that um, in, in its most sort of like complicated form, is the risk of that then losing people's individuality? I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's an interesting question. I wouldn't, I don't know if I have a, a solution to that. I think individuality, as far as creativity is concerned and so forth, it goes beyond the, the measures or the finite box of the individual, in my opinion. It might, you might be sourced for it, but even if it's an idea, it's going to come through your own box, right? Your own instrument, right? And, so and is that then what you want to magnify through? I would like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I would definitely want to magnify that because you know, when I came to Hollywood 10 years ago, I used to tell people, I'm going to show Hollywood what an Indian man is. And now I don't know what being Indian or a man is. How do you define that? Like, what does that even mean? So to me, that's that's less powerful. That, that, that was basically my uh, ego speaking, right? It's like, hey, look at me. Yeah. I, and now it's just, I just want to show massive vulnerability. I want to be able to connect with people through pain. I, I just like vulnerability. I think to me, that's that's the thing that we connect to most. Outside of anything else, we connect to people's emotions because we all feel them in our own ways. Um, those of us who are enjoying your catharsis, uh, <laughs> we're we're, uh, we're grateful for it. So, Pratesh, thank you so much. It's, it's been an awesome conversation, and I hope you'll come back and join us again. Absolutely, brother. Thanks for having me. A lot of fun. And you can learn more at thepratesha.com. There's also a hilarious scene in Invisible Brown Man with the one and only Sunil Narkar. So a little Marathi shout out there. I'm not really sure pointing at someone will ever be the same. Reminder to everyone to subscribe to this podcast at all the usual outlets and follow us on social media at MyGoodFraint. Everyone stay healthy, get the vaccine, and practice random acts of kindness. Also, a big shout out to my cousin Gody and her new husband Jeremy, or G Money and Jay Lately as I like to refer to them for their beautiful wedding last weekend. Still a lot of afterglow from that one. Anyway, subscribe, follow. Until next time, I'm Abhay Dandekar. Because every story told is a lesson learned. Because every lesson learned is a story waiting to be told. I'm Abhay Dandekar, and I share stories about South Asian people and their purpose. And what they're saying over and over again is, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Hear it every Monday, Tuesday on Ruckus Avenue Radio or wherever you get your podcast.
This is Anita Lerge. Make sure to check out my show Around the World with Anita on Wednesdays 11 a.m. Pacific Time only on Rockus Avenue Radio.